My name is Ashley, and this is Let's Talk Dispatch. You're going to do it. Do it really well. And I believe the world needs more dispatchers. So on this show, with the help of my guests, we will educate, empower, and support the heroes behind the headset. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode here at the Raspy Dispatcher. Thanks so much for joining. Uh, a little life update, it's been a weird month. Uh, I went out to Colorado uh, to visit my family and the day after I got back, I had a little tickle in my throat and ended up uh, having COVID and being down for a, a solid seven or eight days. Um, zero out of five stars, do not recommend. It was not um, a fun process, but I am happy to be back here, um, bringing more content, bringing more people on to talk about their experience with Dispatch with you guys. Um, if you haven't already, make sure to, to subscribe to our YouTube channel. I'm super excited to announce we have surpassed over 2,000 subscribers this month uh, with over 100,000 views. So many people checking out the videos, using them to help them prepare to pass their critical, their interview, and just get to know more information about the job of a dispatcher. So that's super exciting. And thank you if you have already subscribed. Of course, you can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and all the other socials. Um, and with all that being said, and with that being out of the way, I just wanted to take the time, bring on my guest today. I'm super excited that I was able to get them to come on and connect with us here. I've really been looking for someone who has the knowledge, experience uh, with the fire dispatching side of things. And that person is Jordan Vilwak and he's gonna come on with us today. Hi, Jordan. Hi, Ashley, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate you uh, being willing to jump on with me um, with a really short notice. I think I messaged you on LinkedIn two days ago, maybe. I don't know. I work graveyards, so time's weird. Um, and we were able to get this going today. So thank you so much for being responsive and willing. Yep, absolutely. Awesome. So you know, just tell me a little bit about yourself, You know what you do, how you got into public safety, uh, things of that nature. Absolutely. So I'm actually just starting my 19th year and it's public service here. Ooh. So I started a um, long time ago as a police explorer when I was in high school. So law enforcement was always an interest of mine. And I jumped into the police explorer program, which for anyone that's young and is interested <laughs> both on the police and fire side, it's a great way to learn a little bit more about the career, get some great mentors and um, have a lot of fun at the same time. So that's where I started with the Laguna Beach Police Department as a police explorer. And then that really led me to the next step. I, I realized that maybe working in the field wasn't the, the best suit for me and, and fit my personality. And so I was able to start doing a little bit of um, learning about dispatch and eventually was able to land a police and fire dispatch position with the Laguna Beach Police Department where I worked for, you know, my title my total career there was about 15 years, about 12 in dispatch. And so um, that's, that's kind of where I learned the dispatch piece. We dispatch police, fire and Marine safety, which is very unique out of one center. Um, busy, busy city. We had two dispatchers at one time. Sometimes we had three, 
a third dispatcher. I promoted to a senior dispatcher and really took over some leadership um, pieces of it. And then I was able to take on the role as the emergency manager for the city and disaster preparedness and emergency preparedness and just teaching um, volunteers in the community. And that kind of led me to be competitive for the position I currently have now, which is the fire administrative director, which one of the divisions I oversee is fire dispatch, which I think is why you reached out to me actually (laughs) a little bit about the fire dispatch piece. So yeah, on Jordan. Definitely. Awesome. No, I think it's, um, we were talking a little before we got going is that, you know, I uh, always knew that I was going to be in the the field of uh, emergency response, criminal justice, in some way, shape or form. I got my, you know, undergrad and my graduate degree um, with that in mind. And when I got into the field, or when I started looking to get into the field, dispatch kind of happened. And that's when I realized after all my education, I, you know, no one ever really talked about dispatch and we never really explored um, that avenue during my, my education. And I just was like, wow, this is just such a great opportunity for those who go in thinking they were going to do one job and maybe end up going and doing another, like, like you had, um, so it's definitely, definitely a great opportunity for folks. Now, in regards to like, so I only do uh, police. I don't do any medical, any fire. Only, only experience that I have a fire is, oh, you need medical? Let me transfer you. Oh, something's burning? Let me transfer you. So um, with your experience working with both, what would you say are the differences between say a department that just dispatches police in a department that does fire and medical? Well, there's a lot of differences. So it's kind of hard to break it down a little bit, but one of the Mm -hmm. big differences I can see is that typically as a law enforcement dispatcher or police dispatcher, the calls are much shorter. You're getting a lot of information Mm -hmm. quickly. You're asking questions, you're um, entering calls. It's very, very fast paced. And Um, those calls are typically shorter in length, generally. Now, on the medical side or the fire dispatch side, our calls are much longer in length, that our our 911 calls are averaging about four to five minutes where we're on the phone with the individual because we're we're one of of the few EMD certified through the International Academies of Emergency Dispatch here in Ontario, where I work currently. And we provide very in-depth pre-arrival instructions that we follow. And it takes a long time to get a lot of information and go through what we call ProQA, which is a series of questions, depending on the answers, which could involve us telling people to take medication over the phone or instructing CPR. And and those calls, we typically stay on the phone until first responders arrive on scene. So that you do see people taking a lot longer on those calls just because of the nature of the call. You know, one of the the benefits of being a police and fire dispatcher, especially if you're a secondary PSAP, if the calls are getting transferred to you, is most of your calls are have already been triaged. They've already been answered mm-hmm. by law enforcement. They already kind of realize what they want. So um, 
we we have a much more specific focus where you're just doing medical and pre-rival or you're sending help for a fire or a traffic accident where a law enforcement dispatcher, you can answer the phone and somebody's asking for a pizza to, uh, you know, an intoxicated person that's just going off on the police department. That mm-hmm. it's, it's a little different clientele and how things focus. So those are kind of the main differences I could see. Okay, for sure. So can you tell me a little bit about the hiring process for someone who's considering, you know, kind of what direction they want to go, what departments they want to apply for, and if they want to dispatch police, fire, medical, um, what the hiring process looks like for a typical fire dispatcher? Before we continue, we wanted to take a moment to thank our partners at Prepared. You can learn more about the awesome support and technology Prepared provides to first responders by heading to prepared911.com. Partners like Prepared help to continue our mission of supporting, empowering, and educating the heroes under the headset. You can learn more about our resources and partnerships by heading to theraspydispatcher.com. Now let's get back to the show. So here in my agency, we do a full background on every police or sorry, fire dispatcher as well. So we do the mm-hmm. same process that's use the same post standards as a law enforcement to conduct a full background, uh, polygraph, psych, medical, the, the full boat, because we are one unit here in our city and we do have access to each other's information and CLETS mm-hmm. information and do have abilities because we have fire investigators to have access, this CLETS access. So we default because of the safety element to doing a full background in, in our fire agency. I know some other agencies do things differently as secondary PSAPs, but that's our stance here in Ontario is they do the full. Awesome. Okay. Um, do you guys utilize the a critical pre-employment test or a post um, kind of pre-employment test that for you guys' process? No, we actually don't. So okay. I know there are a lot of larger agencies that might. Um, we don't. We're, we have a dispatch center where we have three as our minimum. Okay. Staffing level, one of them is being a shift supervisor. It's a working position. Mm-hmm. And we do have some cover shifts where we will have four on during the peak hours of the day. So we have a total staff of about 15, 16, including the manager that is in our dispatch okay. Uh, division. Okay, perfect. And also, Ashley, as I can do ahead. a plug, we actually yeah. are opening up a full-time and part-time recruitment for Ontario Fire Dispatch, which is a pretty rare opportunity. Uh, we have people that have long tenures here. We don't see much turnover like oh. you might see in some police dispatch centers or a majority of them. It's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. Uh, so it's opening up on July 5th, and I think it's open for a couple weeks. Awesome. So we look for that job posting if anyone's interested. Yeah, definitely. And and I'll definitely include um, a link. I'll link up with you and include a link in the post. Um, so folks who are interested and are in that area can yep. go ahead and head right over there. And that, I mean, that is saying something that you, if you guys aren't having a lot of uh, turnover in your dispatch center um, about the way you guys are running things and, and the level of happy 
you know, folks are feeling working for the department because dispatch overturn and turnover and shortages are such a real thing in this yeah. line of work. So we, we have 15 dispatchers that work the floor and mm -hmm. of the 15, we have an average of 150 hours of experience in fire dispatch on our floor. So it's 10 about on average 10 years per employee. There's some obviously more and some left, but it averages out to about 10 years, which is pretty phenomenal. And it, it speaks a lot to, towards the culture that we have here in Ontario and how, mm -hmm. how well our dispatchers work and, and, and enjoy it. So, yeah, no, that's, that is really awesome. Really awesome. Um, so you guys then are, you guys have about the size of that, of an agency that I am currently working with. I came from a really large agency where we had 10, you know, 12, 15 folks answering or eight phones and radios. Um, and then I lateral into a smaller agency where uh, most overnights it's me and one other person in the room, which is was like, for me, mind blowing, like a total, total shift in how things are going. Um, so with that being said, are you guys typically on a, a traditional shift uh, work, like a 12 hour shift, swings, graveyard, um, type of rotation for your guys' center? Yeah, so we have two shifts, so we have days and nights. And so okay. it's 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. and 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. We do have a couple mid-shifts that we have slotted for, and those vary between 8 to 8 or 10 to 10 to cover those mids. And that's kind of fluid depending on um, the time of year and, and what we decide for the next shift pick, but that's kind of how we, how we have it set up. Okay, cool. Um, one thing that I that I do wonder um, is that so for for police dispatch we have uh, we have a lot of freedom of how we uh, interact with our callers, um, the questions that we ask, the manner in which we ask them. Of course, you know there are the, we have to get certain basic information to get things going and moving. Um, but I I believe from talking to other folks who have done it all. Um, when dispatching is that they have used some type of prompting system or software that kind of helps them navigate the medical side of things. Is that, can you tell me a little bit about that? So what, what you're describing is what I talked about, which is called ProQA, which is okay. that software that um, has the, the exact verbiage that we have to use as we progress through emergency medical dispatching. Because we're accredited, we're required to QI or mm -hmm. listen back. Our supervisors that are QI trained listen to, I believe we have to do between one and 3% a month. We pull randomly, the system sends it to our queues and the queues go through and listen to it to make sure that it meets standards and that mm -hmm. it's in compliance. So on average, we, we pull just just a little under 100 calls a month that we actually have to listen to from beginning to end and that we have to rate them and submit them to the academy to make sure that we maintain our accreditation. So it is a little bit more stringent on the questions and how we go through the process. But I, I will let everyone know that once you do it for a little bit, it's like, you know, riding a bike. And yeah. So, the, the questions are there and you have to follow certain things, but there's a, there's a little dispatcher discretion as well as how you travel through them. But and that's awesome. why we use QI to make sure we're giving the best service to our customers. Amazing. Cool. Um, so looking back on how 
public safety has changed over the years. Like you said, you've been doing this a long time. You've been in every aspect, I would say, of dispatch from police to, you know, from explorer to dispatch police to dispatch fire and police. Looking back at all of that and how things have changed, what are some thoughts about how far we have come in, you know, dispatching emergency services and really where we're going with all the technology that's coming into yeah. play. I mean, it's exciting. I definitely, when I started, and I'm not trying to say that I've been in a while, it's only been 18 years, right? When <laughs> I started, 911 calls on cell phones were still being routed through the highway patrol. They answered mm-hmm. all the cell phone 911 calls and they would transfer them to our center, not even across Annie Alley. We would have to just take them on a seven digit emergency and, oh, and wow. process it that way to now where we're obviously able to get text messages that the technology is there to get photos and videos. Um, obviously all cell phones go direct to the Peace app, you know, within reason based on the cell tower locations. Um, we're going to a cloud-based phone system, which is going to give us a lot more flexibility to work out of different centers if we need to get up and evacuate or have a large mm-hmm. incident, that it gives us a lot more just capabilities with cloud-based systems. So the, the future is going to be um, challenging for dispatchers that have a lot of tenure to figure out um, those new processes, but mm-hmm. also um support them and realize that some of them, while it's going to be new, it's going to be, it's progress and it's needed. But we also have to keep in mind that dispatchers take the jobs to be behind the scenes, to hear the sounds, to listen to the voices, to abstract the information necessary to um, provide that to the field employees for the first responders and having to, at some point, probably in the next five to 10 years, FaceTime with with victims, have to see the people that they're giving CPR to, having to see the the images that they're not accustomed to seeing is gonna is gonna impact our centers, and we need to be ready to support them uh, with wellness programs, and we need to be able to support them on um, a different level than we currently do. And so, I, I know all dispatch centers are gonna need that support if that direction is gonna change from the state level that we're, we're going to need some, some assistance. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's funny you bring that up. I, I don't recall the name of the program, but I remember reading an article that there was a dispatch center that had a program where they would send the, a text to their caller's phone with a link, and then it would pretty much create that like open FaceTime with that that individual so i think one of the examples they gave was they like they're like oh there's a vehicle accident it's a car's on fire and then they open the link and it's like a semi pulling like several eight cars and it's like well that's that's different than a car just being on fire um as well as they mentioned medical um and like being able to see the color of their lips and if they're blue or gray or like what and that tells them what amount of air they're getting or something like that. My very faint memory of this, uh, but it, it's true. We're, we're getting to a day and age where tech is starting to catch up or we're, I guess, starting to catch up with our technology that's moving so quickly um, that our services are going to be so different in 911. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, One thing also too, Ashley yeah. is, is, Something I've talked on a few times is that 
police and fire dispatchers, even when I started 18 years ago, you saw a lot more combined centers where they did both. And I think back then that you were really viewed as generalist as dispatchers, right? You're taking an address, you're getting a call type and you're sending help, no matter if it was a red fire engine or if it was a black and white police car or it was a Marine safety vehicle. And now in 2022, we're seeing much more specialists. Law enforcement dispatchers are required to use a lot more systems to run names for officer safety. They're viewing cameras. They're using ALPRs to see license plates and entering things that Mm -hmm. we just never did back in the day. And on the fire side, we're telling people to give Narcan. We're giving Mm long-term CPRs that we're, Mm -hmm. you know, we're sending large responses to wildland fires that we haven't seen before. And you're really going from a generalist to a specialist. And that's why having separate centers or people that have or or agencies that support the training that needs to take place for them to be um, proficient in both disciplines is super important because we're requiring more of our dispatchers today than we did 18 years ago. So true. I mean, even I've been doing this four years and even from the moment that I started answering phone calls, um, they implemented text to 911 that got pushed out by the state uh, during my you know first five years um, programs like rapid deploy rapid SOS those are becoming you know the norm the basic um, and being able to locate people using that and text them directly through those services I mean even just in my shorter stint the technology is is just developing so quickly. Um, I mean, even some of my dispatchers are like, we couldn't map our officers, you know, four or five years ago, that system's new. Um, and it's just, it's just wild to be how, how much technology really creates safer environments for citizens, safer environments for our units, um, and really reduces response time, which ultimately is saving more lives. Yeah, and and today where you could see agencies that would dispatch based on the AVL location or GPS location of a unit, right? Well, Mm -hmm. tomorrow's technology is going to be where it integrates current traffic patterns and road closures that are being pulled from Google Maps and things that already exist out there to where we can send who's going to be the closest, where Mm -hmm. the unit might be further away in mileage, but actually closest because of realities of trains or traffic or construction and road closures that, you know, that those capabilities are live when you order like Uber Eats and, and <laughs> Uber, right? That they're yeah. able to use that technology to send the correct. And so it's time for public safety to catch up on that avenue as well mm-hmm. and make sure that we are sending the fastest unit to those critical calls. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. That's so true. Um, you were telling us that you guys also dispatch marine units, and what does that look like? Do they are you able to like track them on the water the same way that we're able to track like a, a officer's car or like yeah. you guys using special maps or what? What does that look like with operating marine units? So you have like the the locations of the towers that exist. So 
the towers are there, but they're, they operate just like patrol units. So you have your tower guards that we don't control and the dispatch, or we didn't when I was there at the dispatch center, you controlled the unit. So whenever a, a lifeguard would go in for a rescue, that unit would start heading towards that tower in case they needed support. Or if there's a call for service for like a swimmer in distress or a, a whatever it is, a kayaker in distress, that you would be sending the the units, the patrol units, if you will, to the tower location to support them and also to do the rescue because you can't leave a tower, you know, unmanned for too long, especially on busy beaches. So that's kind of the process there. It's also okay. after hours. If you work graveyards, you would get those random calls in the, at late at night and you would have to send marine safety out there and they have an on-call system and we'd send police and first responders, but they would be backed up by the trained professionals that can um, do the marine safety rescues. Awesome. Very cool. It's just so, uh, again, like the so many opportunities that dispatch has. I know I had um, a friend of mine who dispatched the medical like airlifts, uh-huh. um, helicopters. Yeah. The airships. And, you know, there's just so many different types of dispatching out there, even past police fire, you know, uh, medical and one of the big things that one of my um, dispatch uh, teachers taught us was like, once you learn to be a dispatcher, you can do anything. Like, <laughs> you know, the, the possibilities are endless. It's such a unique uh, skill with unique abilities that you could really do anything. Um, and, and do your homework on the agencies that you're looking for because it varies. If you are going to work in an urban environment or a city that is just basically streets and freeways Mm -hmm. it's one thing but if you're going to work in a city like i did in laguna beach that we would people would be in trails and hiking and biking and in the water where you don't have one two three main streets you have Mm -hmm. to figure it out and you have to use landmarks and you have to use um lat long to to send help to it so being able to think critically um outside of just having a normal address so knowing those types of things will help you prepare for what type of agency you want to work for. Yeah. And, you know, really getting to know your agency and what makes you happy is super important when you're looking to get into this field, because, you know, a lot of, one of the things people ask me about a lot, a lot is the training process and what that looks like and, you know, schedules and um, really getting to understand that while you're in training, you're kind you're, you're going wherever you need to go to learn whatever you need to learn. Um, And for some people's lives and home lives, that might not work for them, and which is totally okay. Um, But saving yourself time, saving the department time, and really doing that research and seeing if if this is a good fit um, is super important. It is one of the one of the other things that I push in regards to getting that information out there is, you know, what is it actually look like i mean we can definitely you know paint the picture you know pretty and you know you know it's great all you know where it's all we're always staffed and shift work is wonderful but there are there are challenges in the way that this job has to operate because it is a 24 7 operation and being honest with yourself if that's going to work for you um i think is super relative to when you're considering getting into this field
and no matter where you work, you work in as a shift worker, you're going to miss birthdays, you're going to miss holidays, you're going to be held over on days where you're going to have to cancel plans, even important things, because at the end of the day, um, dispatchers do a critical role to our emergency system, and we need somebody there to answer the phones. And there's going to be times of um, staffing issues. There's going to be times where we are fully staffed and then there's no overtime opportunities. So mm-hmm. it's never going to be the perfect <laughs> fit when it comes to work, but mm-hmm. know that you have to have a passion for this job to do it. As you know, Ashley, that mm-hmm. to, to be a complaint taker, it wasn't, but 20 years ago, that's what they used to call it because every phone call you answer is normally somebody that's not having a very good day or needs mm-hmm. assistance. So mm-hmm. it takes a special person to do that and a special person to work the shift work. And you said it perfectly to your homework before, because we don't want to get you through a background process, hiring, we're excited you're here, you're doing well. And then you're like, wait, I, I don't want to work Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. That's how this works. Mm-hmm. Well, you know yeah. what, I'm out. I'm going to go do something else. So yeah, definitely. So how do you feel that the job has changed you? Uh, Well, (laughs) I think my wife would say I have a hard heart now because we're used to hearing things that a lot of people aren't used to hearing. And we also have to be ready to hang up the phone and get on to the next call that's coming in as well, too. So Mm -hmm. you kind of sometimes feel like you aren't as sensitive to certain topics as maybe others that aren't in the emergency response realm. I think it's prepared me, though, being a dispatcher that um, to provide great customer service, that it's fast paced environment, you're always getting things done and on to the next. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. Being a dispatcher opened um, a lot of doors for me where I was able to progress in my career to the position I'm at currently. I was able to do some studying, read some books when I was on shift. If you're working graveyards that, you know, during slower times, you can really try to you know, move yourself forward. And um, it's changed me for the better. I think I really enjoyed it. And there's a lot of days where I sit up here at this desk and man wish that I was back down in dispatch today and calls <laughs> in front of me rather than doing a big staff report or something that my job now has, but I love supporting dispatchers. I love supporting my dispatchers, making sure they have mm-hmm. the best equipment, the best technology, the best systems that they possibly can have to do their job. Because I know exactly what it's like to sit in that seat and answer those phone calls and having support from the top is important and something that I've never forgotten where it came from. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. And just, just to close it up, kind of, uh, you know, put the bow on things. What would, what advice would you give someone who's looking to get into this field, whether it be police, uh, police only, fire, and medical dispatching? Well, do a sit along. I'm sure you hear that a lot, mm-hmm. but do a sit along, learn about the agencies, learn about the job, and take the post-dispatcher course, even if you want to go into medical or fire dispatching where it's not required, you learn a lot. If you could put Mm -hmm. yourself through that course, usually community colleges locally might have that course. Um, I I would say dive into that. You can learn a lot and see if the job's for you by going a couple nights a week during a semester to learn on top of the sit-alongs. Learn about the agency and learn about the profession I think is probably the best tip to see if this is something for you. 
some people it is and some people love it and some people don't thrive in this work environment. So make sure you do your homework beforehand. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today with me, Jordan. I really appreciate all the knowledge, all the info you shared and really the years that you, you know, put into dispatching, you know, all the work you've been doing thus far has created the world of dispatching that I have stepped into. So I really appreciate your time and your dedication to this line of work. Absolutely. And good luck to all that are looking to jump into it. You, you won't regret it. If this is a passion of yours, um, follow it. You're going to be, you're going to have a great career. Thank you so much. I'll be right back with you. All right. Thanks, Ashley. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Let's Talk Dispatch. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube at The Raspy Dispatcher. Follow us on Instagram and check out Let's Talk Dispatch anywhere you listen to podcasts. I'll see you next time and stay raspy.